I am Drew. For, let's change faces then. I'm Drew from the Warrior Workout Network. This is my amazing, awesome, fantastic co-host, 161 co-host to the Warrior Workout Network, Rugby God. We're talking about Sean Rooker's story today. Yeah, I know, dude. There's always got to be some reason to get y'all. <sighs> Yo, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Grew oh, up a, a martial artist doing rugby, and then you know you had the uh, you got a lot on your plate right now, dude. Between rugby, podcasting, you know everything else under the sun, and then I don't know how open you are to, about talking about that. You know you got a pending surgery coming up, man. Like you just you have a lot on your plate, bud. Oh uh, well, no, it's you know we all do, right? It's just uh, unfortunately, it's like so. So last February, right before COVID hit. Uh, separated my shoulder, uh, class three separation, uh, AC joint separation. So literally this, this whole shoulder here, when I do this, I don't know if you guys can see it, that's my collarbone. That's my collarbone popping out. Anyway, um, still waiting on that surgery. If I'm going to get it, I don't even know. Uh, because, you know, they, they shut the hospitals down pretty much the whole time, you know, for COVID if, if it wasn't you know, an emergency situation, uh, COVID related, it was considered a, uh, what do they call that? A, um, it was a non-essential surgery. So, um, did that, then, uh, got back in the gym after my shoulder kind of scarred over. <laughs> and then, um, then I found out I got a, you know, I got this hernia. So long story short, I went to go to the, to the surgeon and they did a, a CT scan on my midsection and saw the spine damage. And now they won't cut on me until I talk to a spine specialist and get that written off so they don't make anything worse when they cut on me. And, um, and then on top of that, I'm coaching two high school teams, uh, a guys and girls team. And we're starting a men's uh, rugby team here in uh, Athens as well, McMinn County. And I'm doing this. So it's it's i am full go man it's full go you full send all day that's all you do is just like good morning world <laughs> like every <laughs> yeah. door you fling every door open except now instead of calling her anything miserable <laughs> well you know it's me again yeah it's me again i i you know i now when i think about that phrase i i laugh because i'm <clears throat> I'm so far mentally from at you know at that point in my life to where I am now. Yeah. Um, and you know, like Perez was saying the other night, you know, I I think that you know the man that Sean Rooker was when he was you know 21, 22 years old and in the military and all that stuff. Um, the man I am now is light years ahead. You know what I mean? Just in just in knowledge and and I don't know, having some more tools in the toolbox to, uh, you know, fight off the issues that we all face. <laughs> that daily suction that pulls from inside, it usually starts right around <laughs> here. Just <sighs> Well, I mean, you know, man, the, the thing is, is, you know, and I've, I've been, you know, I, I, when I'm not doing the podcast or I'm not, you know, coaching or whatever else I'm doing. Um, hopefully getting back to the gym here soon. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I listened, I, I listened, I, I spent a lot of time. Um, the good thing about being a single dude is I get to spend a lot of time being honest with myself. Uh, I think when Walker brought it up the other day, when, you know, when he was married, you know, you, you put a lot of your stuff on the back burner and then, you know, and a lot of your spouse's stuff comes to the front and you're, you're helping them and, and you end up neglecting yourself. Uh, during this time of not now divorced, I have a lot of time to really focus on me mm-hmm. and who I am and my thought processes and, and, you know, starting the day the way I want to start it and with the music I want to start it with and, you know, a hot cup of black coffee on my back steps here on a brisk morning and um, just being honest with myself. Well, if, there, if we can back up for one moment <laughs> and it's uh, so, somewhat of a perspective that, um, you know, a relationship, as long as both people are working, you know, then there, you know, while you are supporting the other person, you should actively be working on yourself at, as that way you can be that best person for the spouse. Um, yeah. and that's one of those things that, you know, it's hard because you can ask a married person, what are you doing for yourself? And while you could have hobbies or like things that you do like to step away for a moment. And if they are not things that are actually enriching you and getting you the breath of fresh air that you need, then you're really not doing anything for yourself. And in, if you were not, if you, if you're not actively prioritizing it, then you really are just cutting yourself short. And, and, and again, working yourself dead, pining away to take care of someone. Um, fuck. So now the idea of taking care of yourself, it's got to be a bit of a breath of fresh air, I assume. Oh well, yeah, man. I, you know, honestly what it's taught me that, you know, I, I think that every, everything that happens in our life, good and bad teaches us a lesson. I think that um, this has taught me a lesson of, um, not, not turning my back or not neglecting, uh, or, or neglecting my, um, who I am and what's, and, and, and like, I'm talking about like the core of who, who Sean Rooker is the, Ooh. you know, the guy that nobody Ooh. sees, you know, the guy who's not laughing all the time, the guy who's not coaching, you know, there, you know, coach Rooker is a different guy from Rook and Rook's a different guy from Sean and. Um, you know, there's also the guy who is, you know, when, when I'm at home, <clears throat> I'm chilling out, I'm deep in thought. Um, I'm think I'm thinking about, um, things kind of, even conversations you and you know, you and I have had or a conversation I've had with a waitress or a waiter or someone I've run into that was just for some reason, you know, sparked up a conversation with them and they, and they brought up a really good point and you can apply it, um, to your day or to your week or, or whatnot. I spend a lot of time deep in thought, um, which a lot of people would think is weird because if you know me, I'm very loud and obnoxious and, you know, banging, banging on the bar table and singing Irish songs. And then, then there's the guy who goes home and it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, class, classic, you know, music and, uh, classical music and, and being deep in thought and, and trying to, readjust for the for tomorrow and you know that that downtime is is a fantastic way to recalibrate and prep for the next day anyways man is that so i always um 
I want to ask is, so do you kind of like, you're very type A and you are, you, you, you can be very type A, man. You're like very out there, but like in order to recharge those batteries, it does require that alone time, that quiet time mm-hmm. to reflect. And um, <laughs> sometimes when you're reflecting, it's often like, damn, I was an idiot. Like I sounded like an idiot. Why did I say like, why is that like, and <laughs> is that yeah. weird? So, but is that weird? Cause you talk about being the authentic rook when you're by yourself the authentic person but i mean take away the person that was carved out to be by the people that raised you and the people that you know that you know you went through life as you're in your adult life with in the army that you learn there and then strip all that away completely and then it's like shit what is rook was there a point where at the core of it before you got like all these rules of how to act and how to be who's rook at the core of that well, I think that uh, I don't want to sound like I have multiple personalities, but I, I think that um, there's there's a time, there, just like the seasons, there's a time for everything. Yeah. Uh, there's a time. There's a time for me to be loud and obnoxious and to <clears throat> enjoy camaraderie and bad jokes and um, be able to poke fun at myself and and uh, you know be high energy and then there's a time to you know get back to the basics which is recharging the batteries which i have to do i mean that is that is such a essential thing for me if i don't get time to (laughs) crabby uh, asshole (laughs) yeah then then all you get oh my yeah you get is coach record yeah Uh, the, the mean nasty you know, I don't care about your feelings and run, run, run until I'm tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you run until I'm tired, you know. Um, <clears throat> but I I don't know, man. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a good question. Um, and we've, we've, we've brought it up uh, on prior podcasts before. Uh, and this is just, I don't even know where I got this. I really have no idea where I got this. But I heard something said a long time ago, which is, are you a physical being on a spiritual path or a spiritual being on a physical path? Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if I figured it out yet. I, I'm a very spiritual person. I, lo- I love God. I appreciate him letting me get up out of bed in the morning um, and being here with you and, and doing the, the stuff that we're doing. I think that it's a really important mission. And as long as I can get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to continue to do the same thing um, and and stay focused on that. Um, But in a lot of situations, I'm still very physical. (laughs) Um, I'm still incredibly hard-headed when I think that something that I think is right is right. Um, I have the temper of a five-year-old. There's just a lot of... Uh, Well, the the, the temper of the five-year-old, I mean, do you feel like... What it is is you being angry for that five-year-old kid that's that that needed something that it didn't get because uh, that 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 reverting back to those behaviors usually comes from a point in that child that that childhood where it's like maybe I needed something here where I didn't get that. Oh well, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't want to throw anybody into the bus. Oh um, no, of course not. Grow, growing up was rough. Yeah. 
I grew up very rough. I grew up, uh, you know, on the, on the poor end of middle class. Um, you know, I don't think I bought a, I don't think I ever wore a new pair of off the rack, like brand new pair of clothing until I got out of high school. Uh, everything was resale shop clothes. Um, you know, didn't have the, the, the nice vehicle had to work. Uh, parents weren't around all the time. Um, so I had to, I had to grow up on my own and, yeah. <clears throat> you know, when you do that, um, you know, and you're looking for life teachers, uh, and lucky, luckily enough, I, I'm blessed to have really great friends and family that were, that I was able to look up to and just, and just be able to, uh, learn a lot from, um, but there's, there's, I, I think, yeah, I think, like you said, I think there's stuff in the childhood there. I mean, you know, I, I think that, uh, most of the time, you know, I think that it's, uh, you, you've talked about this, which is a sense of entitlement, which is I've gone through so much in my life, you know, and, and when's the break coming and why is it not working out for me or what, what, why right now, which is any situation you have in your life. Right. And, and that sense of entitlement is um, it, it can be deceiving because uh, everybody has struggles. Everybody has problems. Um, there's people who've had it worse off than I have had it. And um, there, you know, and I'm not saying that I, that I've had issues with drugs or anything like that, but um, they're not doing drugs. You know, drugs is not running their life. Alcohol is not running their life. Um, you know, so if other people can, can find strength, even in tougher situations, I need to, I need to be able to find mine as well and stop, stop being like, you know, boohoo. You know what I mean? As long as you're not being too tough on yourself about it and, 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 and taking care of yourself and, and, and sort of a, while you're doing that, it's huge, but also yeah. it, 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 in that process, it's also making sure that you're taking care of that part of you that still gets angry like that, you know, that, that yes. child. I, I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, you, you have to, you have to be able to look at your reflection and be honest with yourself, even if it's uh, <clears throat> an ugly sight, you know, you have to be able to address the things that are in front of you. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I think and we've talked about this before about just how I grew up. You're, you're, you're not hurt. You're not hurt. You're not sick. You're, you know, you're never sick enough. You're never hurt enough. Go to work. Everyone goes to work. Um, you know, that's what my, you know, my dad may not have been around it some, sometimes, um, but he did teach me that, uh, you know, pardon the French, but, uh, he, he always said, you know, um, uh, even assholes can work hard. So, um, yeah. you know, so, so, I mean, it, it, you know, get out there and get it done. But at the same time, you know, having that nose down attitude every, every once in a while, <clears throat> you have to look up, find the horizon and, um, and, and kind of get your bearing. You know what I mean? I agree with and, you. Well, correct. But, you know, and you also, those lessons you got, you know, are just, 
irreplaceable. I mean, you see the strength and it gives you something to look forward, look up to, you know, it gives you something to know like, damn, I'm made of that too. Cause we know your dad's hard as nails and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, and it's in the blood, man. And it just, you're not a quitter. Well, I, I just, I can't, um, I didn't come this far to only come this far. Uh, you know, now, now at the, at the, at the same, in the same token, and some people don't like hearing this, you know, there's days I wake up and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here. I still go through that. Uh, I think yeah. that, and I'm not going to, I'm not sitting here saying I was some super soldier and, you know, Prez talked about this the other day on the one six one, uh, live thing, but, uh, I, you know, I don't want to sit back and say that the things in my past were the best times of my life. I think the things in my past taught me some of the best lessons mm. uh, in my life so far. Um, but I really, when I joined the army, um, it allowed me to grow uh, and, and to be around people. It, it teaches you a lot. I, you know, people always want to bad mouth the army uh, after we get out and we're like, ah, this and that and this person and that person. Well, you know, yeah. you have, you have that one bad NCO. He teaches you not to be that type of sergeant. You mm-hmm. have that one bad officer who teaches you, you know, that you don't follow that kind of officer into, into hell. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I really did enjoy my time in the army and it's been hard for me uh, to this day. I, I, I still hear, uh, as they say, uh, you know, the, the call to battle, the, I still hear those drums beating, you know, and uh, y- you want to join the march. And and and, and I'm not going to say it's like I'm some kind of, <clears throat> you know, war dog or anything like that. It's it's more of service to my country. It was it was a true honor to serve. Um, and I think that I just, you know, miss suiting up every day and um and having that mission of of um you know protecting my country and and keeping it safe and fighting for the guy next to me uh, with every breath i had and um things like that which i think is also funny because i'm out of the military i still feel that way so it's like do i have to be in the military to be that way no i think I think I just, in a way, I'll always miss the army um, and, you know, having, unfortunately, the injuries that put me out, um, it, it's taught me to, uh, well, it, it made me evolve. And uh, that's not really a bad thing. No, I mean, as, it's weird to think about it because when you hit that army schedule, you're like, all right, it's Monday motor pool. You know, Monday, you know, just clearing out your system with a long run after the weekend. Um, what do they call that? A detox run? You know, the Monday morning <laughs> detox runs, Monday yeah. motor pool. Yeah. And you sit there and you're like, what is this all about? Yeah. Like, Yeah. But you're at, you're still at your best. <laughs> you're still, <laughs> you know, you're still up five days a week yep minimum working out and if you're not in the field you know working out every day with the same people doing the regiments with the same people learning the ins and outs of the people you live with and learning how to cohabitate with 
people you may not necessarily want to. It's like, I've got this, <laughs> I've got this new running joke going where it's like, I don't mean to sound like an asshole. It's just, I have a lot of friends from Texas. Like, it, <laughs> Hey, LA boys from Texas. I can hear them now. I can hear them now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you learn, man. And like you said, you sponge the things from the good NCOs and you, you learn from the bad what not to do. The officers, you learn, you know, exceptional leadership and you learn what's not <laughs> exceptional leadership. Um, and I'm not bad. For all you guys out there, I'm not bad mouth in my office or anything. I, you know, at that time, Lieutenant Mangus was phenomenal and would have followed him anywhere. I, I'd have, you know, I, I, th I think most people that. still would with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One thing about him, and I don't mean to get off topic, but um, one thing you would always notice, and I'm not shit talking to the other PLs and our platoon leaders in the unit, but when we were, when second, third, headquarters they got off platoon their platoon leaders take their gear off they're done maybe do the intel report maybe have their nco write it up and then send it up to troop and then squadron headquarters mangus dude the second we were off mission he was in there typing it up every single time in detail walking it over himself making sure everything was done himself and then he'd come back to the platoon like okay all the responsibilities are done what do we got now, boys? And we're like, oh, now we're going to kick the shit out of you in Halo. And it's like, okay, now we're going to kick the shit out of you. Good job, sir. Prepare to get your ass kicked. <laughs> not, prepared, not prepared to die. Yeah, not prepared to die. Yeah. He's the, only, he's the only person I know that after 360-something days, he could look at me and go, Haha, you have to go home now and I get to stay here for a couple more weeks and smack people around. And I'm like, really, dude? You're not like, you're not tired? <laughs> oh, man. Those days, those days were just, they, they were crazy, man. They were crazy. You know, uh, still, still today, you know, if I get, especially down here in Tennessee, if I still get one of those like really warm nights, like where it's like still like 90 degrees while the sun's going down, you know, and you get that, that just really uncomfortable hot night. I still get the, I still get the memories of just being in a truck or being up in a turret and just, and just being, you know, along the Tigris or, or something. You're just kind of staring off into the distance and, and it's hot and it's muggy and it's miserable, but you're alive. Like it, it really is life with every breath. Like you're, you are truly alive. I've never, I didn't grow up with air conditioning <laughs> and wow. Um, I did well in New York, so you didn't need it as much, but when, and I was like, and you're from the North. So like, you think like when you join, you know where you're going. And you're like, how is a Northern kid going to survive in that heat? <laughs> and then, I experienced AC for the first time in Iraq and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then you step outside and it's just oven and you're like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> like, <laughs> when people told me it's like someone holding a, like a blow dryer on your face. Yeah. I was like there's no way. And then it, then it was like that. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh Walking my God. Into an oven. <laughs> it's what, 
Yeah, I'm I'm literally set to freaking roast here, man. Yeah, I'm a slow. You know, roast. we had um, I don't, were you there on that mission where we had like four tires pop for sitting too long and they just melted? And it's like, well, now we got to change all four tires on this Humvee because they all melted to the road. Because <laughs> it got so hot, we sat too long in one spot. <laughs> man, I remember I remember that one mission we had to do where we had to go to the uh, that gas station. And make sure that everybody was getting, you know, fair gas prices uh, for price gouging. And, a, uh, um, uh, hang on, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me that was um, Salmon Park. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're 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 in Salmon Park, and 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 it was all everything was black. Remember, it was like 140 degrees or 150 degrees that damn day. Literally, like we went out there, and mm-hmm. I've never in my <laughs> I've seen mirages in my life, but I've never seen it so hot that somebody 10 feet away from you is a freaking mirage. <laughs> I, oh, my the God. Heat, the heat between oh you and anything else on the other side of the heat. Yes. It was <laughs> brutal. That was, that was so – I remember just standing. I was the most inept – uh, gunner at you could ever be at that time like I literally was just standing there and I was just I felt you're wearing all that gear you're up in a turret the sun's beating down on you it's freaking 140 freaking degrees there's no AC in the truck and you know, we're all standing there on concrete I mean it was just you know there was um considering this we we, we got to Kuwait in November and and Kuwait was our first experience where it's like, oh shit, this is hotter than the states. Yeah, uh, but it's November, so it's like it's only a hundred and something, so it's it's not bad. It's only a hundred and something. <laughs> but then we got up to Iraq the next month, and like there was a point where it was freezing and we had snow. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard of it snowing in in, in Baghdad. Um, so the, the, the ability to acclimate from, oh. was actually fantastic that we got there in December because it was a little cold and you could actually be like, oh, okay, there's a little chill in the air. And then, yeah. you know, February, March, and then once May hits and you're like, oh my God, what is this place? Yeah. Like <laughs> the, right about May is where it becomes unbearable. Oh, brother. Oh my God, that was a that was a oh that was hot. Um, yeah, so we were lucky, dude. Like I remember, BB, me and BB were outside one day. I was like, "Is it snowing outside these homes?" We were pulling guard on the homies. We were QRF. Is it snowing out here? Like I am freezing. Oh God, yeah. Cool. It, that was the crazy thing is when it got so dang cold. I mean, I remember, uh, and Fowler will love this story. Fowler was my gunner. Uh, and I was in the lead truck there as a driver, and I hit this puddle, and all this because it had rained. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. raining the desert in Iraq too. Yeah, freezing cold rain. Oh. I hit this puddle. It goes up and over him, and I mean, it covers him. It drenched him from head to toe. And then I'm still driving in freezing cold air, and he was shaking from like he was getting like freaking hypothermia. Joe Blaine's. <clears throat> oh my God, dude. And I was just down there laughing, you know, because that's the kind of relationship me and Fowler had. The, those were those very first missions. What, like those, like mm. 
the, remember those were those ones where we'd get stuck in the mud and we had Diaz running chains. <laughs> Oh my God. Screaming through a field. Because ah! <laughs> the, there was a dog chasing him? It was puppies. puppies. They were little puppies. Ah! Ah! <laughs> Dude. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, going, going to get chains for his truck. I remember him. I remember him screaming like that, literally screaming just like that. Going bad dog, bad dog. The little puppy was chasing him, and that that local farm that we were next to, or whatever, mm-hmm. they came out and set up chairs <laughs> and went back and forth screaming at these dogs. They were they. He was the entertainment on the farm. And, and we're like, and we're so green that we're like, oh, there's people setting up shop. They're watching us. We don't know what to do. They're like, yeah, that kid's a fucking idiot. Of course they're watching. <laughs> yeah. You're watching. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, 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 okay. We're all out here laughing at him. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bonding. Bonding over the, over yeah, the, over yeah. the kid <laughs> from New York City who doesn't know how to deal with dogs and mud. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, that was a killer moment. Oh that, man! So yeah. You can't. So let's get back into the. Oh, right, okay. We got the stories, and so we we know you had a plan before coming into service, which was uh, you know law enforcement. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you want to want to talk a little bit about this? Oh yeah, no problem. Uh, so uh, I was going to join the Detroit Police Department. Uh, I had actually been running and getting in shape for the academy. My grandfather was a Detroit police officer, so I was going to try to um, continue on that legacy there. Um, And uh, then I was going to go Detroit police uh, because they paid for the academy. And after two years, I was going to try to go air marshal. So that was what I was thinking about doing. Eventually, it was be a U.S. marshal. Long story short, I did all my testing, did everything I did had my bags packed, showed up to Livernois Avenue in downtown Detroit uh, to the recruiting center and walked in with my recruiting paperwork and my bags packed and ready to go and handed this uh, sergeant at the front desk my my test scores and all that stuff ready to go. And she looked at me, opened it up and said, that's great, and handed it right back and said, "Uh, we've had to close the academies because we don't have the money to run them right now. And um, we're not taking any new classes of cadets. So I just, I just stared at her. I had, at that point, I mean, I literally had nowhere to go. My plan was to be a police officer. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to serve. I, I, I got that from watching the first responders run into the buildings on 9-11. That, that's really what inspired me to do something like that. Um, and then... Uh, I drove from downtown Detroit all the way back to my hometown and walked right into the recruiting office, which was four offices, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and uh, Army. And uh, I I walked right by the Navy guys. They didn't even talk to me. I walked right by them and walked right. My head was buzzed, too, because I was going to go into the academy, man. I was ready to go. I uh, Same day. Drove all the way there, walked right in the Army office, and I said, my name's Sean Rooker, and I'm here to sign up for the United States Army. And uh, the recruiter just looked at me and started laughing. He goes, did the Marines send you over here? Are you messing with me? I said, no. He, he goes, 
what? What? <laughs> so I told him the whole situation. Long story short, signed up for the for the army as a cast scout, cavalry scout, and um, three months later, I uh, was gone. So it's just uh, that's kind of how it happened. Echo. So you you would have gone to basic in probably May of two thousand five ish. What? Right. Yeah, I, I left for basic April twentieth of 2005 um we were there for a couple weeks you know uh in retention just kind of waiting for the rest of the guys to get there and then uh or reception and uh then boom like you said may right into it yeah man it was weird having all you guys come you guys came in waves because uh when we established 161 uh before Mm -hmm. it was ever that it was third battalion rista um of fourth brigade we didn't have the 506 colors or anything yet and it originally would have been delta bb lawrence ski that group of guys that were the first ones there and then behind them would be us guys that graduated the month after alpha and then there was a whole influx of us that went to that that battalion and then there was like nobody and then all of a sudden we started getting these trickle trickles in from the alpha class that graduated after us which would have been a full cycle which would have been 18 weeks and then tracking that we got this other weird influx from echo which those alpha guys that that trickled in came from aviation first which means they got dicked over in a different unit and then came over to us um and then we got you mcgrady stanton Perez to a bunch of jerks from Boston all of a sudden or just so like the unit's doing fine we got a bunch of people from Texas and then we get a bunch of people from Boston all of a sudden yeah it was you literally got a bunch of people from Boston McGrady was from like North North Carolina Carolina. and And so we just yeah we just showed up the 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 the, the, (laughs) I'm not gonna call us the four horsemen because boy oh boy were we fresh uh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> now you weren't as fresh as you think. Like you got more, you got more respect right out of the gate than anybody, literally anybody I've ever seen anybody, uh, because you just kind of shut up and went to work. Well, that's called fear. <laughs> <laughs> that's called fear for one's life. I mean, I showed up <clears throat> when we showed up to the unit. I remember Sergeant Norris picking me up. I may have told this story a hundred times. But he picked me up and he, and he walked me up to the unit. And before he opened the back bay doors, he looked at me, he stopped me at the door and he goes, you know how to fight? And I said, I can hold my own. He goes, good, because that's how we solve problems around here. And yeah. he flings the door open and you guys were in a freaking mosh pit. I mean, I, all, all the platoons were just kicking the crap out of each other. <laughs> and I mean, mosh pit, mosh pit. And then, I, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, what did I just get into? It's a, it's a freaking, it's a prison riot. I mean, you got, I mean, guys getting choked out and then passing out for getting choked out, waking up from unconsciousness and then diving back into the pile. I mean, just like, it was, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, and that was one of those weird things. That's one of those weird, that you find out you do on deployment where you're like, I'm bored. Why don't, let's just choke each other out till we pass out for a couple hours. Like, let's just, yeah. let's just do let's, that for a little bit. Let's go pick a fight with Alpha. <laughs> let's go pick yeah. a fight without, you know, like, just 
man. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like Pez was talking about with Vereen last night. And Vereen, he mm-hmm. just uh, he just retired a month or two ago. Oh, good. So good awesome. on him. Um, but it's how do you go from that fucking insane environment where it's it's literally like it's like oh you guys have a problem we're gonna let the god of war decide and y'all are gonna fight this out like mm-hmm. how do you go from that environment to like it's like all right kids now we're ordering fucking donuts at the drive through like like something's there, there there's a there's a there's an issue because soldiers have to be primal yeah you know i it's it's funny and we've brought this up before <clears throat> but you know um ancient japan with the samurai you know they they kind of saw these issues a long time ago mm. and you know here these guys are training for battle 24 7 that was their life samurai means you know pretty much servant you know what i mean like they were there yeah uh, to serve samurai to serve um but they also saw that they had a large number of warriors that we're living a life of 100% go, you know what I mean? So it was, it was also a big thing in their life to do poetry, art. Uh, some samurai would, you know, make the weapons that they used uh, to, to really learn and, and, and dive into the, you know, philosophy of who they were and their like art. Channel your energy into your weapons. I mean, <laughs> yeah. literally forge them yourself. But I mean, you know, the thing is, is it's funny to me that that long ago, they kind of had it figured out, which is, you know, here we are 2005 and it's like this primal, this primal rage of just full machismo and dudes ready to rock and roll. But we, but there was no, what are you doing on the other end of it to calm yourself down, to really focus on something that's peaceful or to, to quiet your mind and your, and your spirit. Um, Cause that's a hard thing to do when you're a young man, your, your insides are on fire. <laughs> you know, I mean, but, that's how you were. That's why we were earning, you know, presidential unit citations and, and valorous unit awards. That's why we, <laughs> You know, it's because we were for, you know, we were that forced to live that 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 primal way. But you're right, where was that 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 healthy, safe outlet for each person? You know, it and I you have the MWR, which is cool. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, let's go rent a set of drums or go watch this or that. And it's like, let's go rent a let's go rent a guitar for a half hour. It's like, man. Yep. Like, can we the 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 what is what is the you know it's weird to say this because of the bureaucratic uh the the situation that you get when you have large numbers like would you with a military or like in a school where you're like uh, how can you individualize an education for a child um it's just like saying how do you give the soldier their own individualized outlets um you know how do you take these thousands of people and then be able to give each person their exact need well, I mean, I understand that, you know, when you have large groups like that, the need for discipline is paramount. I mean, that's, that's what's going to keep everybody in order because, you know, there's, there's such a high level of tension because we're constantly training, we're constantly learning, we're constantly, you know, we're constantly on the go. Uh, and when we're not on the go, we're on the road running, <laughs> you know, like, and so obviously when you hit your downtime, what was everybody's downtime? You wanted to go out, you wanted to get away. Yeah. 
just just party and get and and really let you know really really let loose but you know it's uh as i've gotten older i've gotten more in in tune with with the um meditation side of things and and you know i mean now i now i see why my grandpa had a wood shop you know what i mean like where he's just like he's just like back there and he's just doesn't matter if any, any of it works he's you know he's sharpening saw blades but the thing is is you know he was a he was a world war ii and korean war vet and you know i didn't really understand why he was always so quiet and he only spoke when he when he needed to but uh now i kind of see a little bit of his his pastimes on why he did them you know what i mean grandpa's back there sharpening the plastic again <laughs> yeah it just he ran out of yeah. metal yeah <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's good that he knew that about himself. I mean, like there's people that withdraw. uh, Well, he he was a very, he was a very withdrawn person. He moved up North and he was all by, you know, it was just him, him and my uh, step grandma there. And, um, but the thing is, is, you know, honestly, the, the best, come home speech I ever got was from him and him and I did not have a great relationship. I mean, he was, uh, he was very off on his own. Um, but here comes this, you know, six foot five, 240 pound monster. Uh, and just, you know, I, I just come back from, from Iraq and was on, I was on block leave and was up in Michigan and he walked right up to me at the family get together and he shook my hand and he just looked me dead in the eye and he said, I know. And I looked at him. I didn't even say it. We didn't have to say nothing back. I just stared right at him. He shook, he just gave me a good shake and walked away. And those were the only two words he said to me the whole time. And that, that is two words that ha- that speak volumes volumes you know what i mean if you put yourself in his shoes for a moment uh and it's a weird thing to see other people kind of enter this phase and it not necessarily the combat portion but when you see Mm -hmm. them hit a a point of trauma in their life and and you see the darkness kind of like creeps in usually first with their humor yeah uh it's very strange to look at somebody, especially someone you care about and be like, oh shit, they just entered a world that I've been in for years. What do you say to that person now besides uh, welcome? Like, you know, like we, you know, we don't have t-shirts. Nobody wears t-shirts around here, but like, what do you say when you see them enter that like, oh shit, like that, that creeping darkness like do you let them know like hey this is only temporary like you can only do this for so long before things become permanent like the withdrawn nature the you know not really speaking the you know Mm -hmm. talking about what's going on and then what's that going to do is it going to perpetuate more problems in the long run i mean then what happens you you push so many people away by the time it's said and done what you isolated alone and, and pissed off well i mean that's isn't that the scary part of it you know, like I'll never regret my service. I go back and do it a hundred times over for the next thou- 
10,000 years. Um, of course. But there is a heaviness that comes, you know, the old saying of don't become what, don't become what you fought. If you, if you fight something long enough, it's hard not to take a piece of that back with you because you fought that one thing for so long. You know, it, when, you, when you're climbing the mountain consistently, a part of you becomes the mountain. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's, the big thing is, is walking is, is when you climb the mountain and you get off of the, the, get off of that peak and onto the next, that you're onto that next peak and you're not holding on to, you know, everything you picked up. Everything else. Yeah. Man. You know, we want to learn our lessons, but I don't <laughs> filling up my rucksack with all the rocks from the last mountain and just adding weight every time I conquer another personal battle. I don't need to be doing, we need to be dropping weight when, when we're, have our personal victories not adding that's where um you know you well you take those especially for our people like you take those those moments of trauma um mm. and, and the things and it's like what have you what have you what's going to come with it too though because it's not just like this this in your face darkness is also like like in an ability to like mourn properly. So like, let's say for instance, like, you know, we've got November coming up, which for, if you're in the one, six, one family, November is already the shittiest month of the year anyways. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't necessarily know, even know how to mourn properly. So what they, they, something I did, I thought that the, 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 that like, you want to honor people. You want to like, especially when you lose them, and I always kind of thought that the, the honoring them was continuation of mourning when I should have been living my life to the fullest. And you still see mm. people that get into these cycles because they're so hurt still by this loss. I mean, especially yeah. like, again, in November, like Pez did a whole other deployment because of what happened. Yeah. Um, uh, when that happened, that was my personal breaking point. I had a, a relationship. I literally had a relationship end that day because of that situation when she said, Sick, yeah, six of your guys died, but you need to get over that and we're going to the bar. <laughs> like, nah. Um, but the problem was, looking back, she knew what I was going to do with that. She knew I was going to take that six dudes and carry that on my back when I necessarily didn't have to. And we have a lot of people that are still doing that. Well, you know, and that's, that's, uh, it's funny cause you know, we were talking about some of the, the short films that we're going to work on, which I, you know, uh, I'm not going to go into the idea yet as you and I have to pen a lot of stuff down. Um, but I, I do have a segment that I've been working on, which is, and I'm not, I'm not, promoting drinking that's not what i'm doing but uh, but something that has always been with me is no soldier drinks alone uh, even when you are alone yeah. um because you you're carrying the weight of all these guys uh you know you're thinking about them and it's and it's like they're there um and, and what i would say just to my own personal you know religious beliefs um is they are uh i know that if anything would have happened to me i wouldn't want my guys to carry that I'd want them to know that I gave the best I could and that I, when they got back, I wanted to, wanted them to live the best life 
that they could possibly live. We have to stop punishing ourselves. Things happen. And, and that's not to make light of loss. That's not what I'm doing. But your heart's still beating. I mean, even when you don't feel like you can carry on, if your heart's still beating, your body, your natural, just who you are is telling you to continue on. You know, that there's, there's the ultimate truth. If your heart's still beating, you still got something left in you. And that is such those, a rucker. <laughs> I like, I don't, I've never met your dad and I, I like, I don't know what his voice sounds like, but Oh shit. It's like, but I, like I hear that as like, listen, you got breath. You're swinging that goddamn hammer boy. Like that's how I hear it. Like, dude, oof. my dad say. My dad saying, pardon the French, but he, that's what he would say. That's what he would say. When he wanted to, when he would start pumping up the crew, like we got a job to do, he would scream, it's time to swing the fucking hammer. <laughs> Boys, it's time to swing the fucking hammer. And he would say that. We're here to swing the hammer till the job is done. And when the job is done, there's another job. So like, that was my dad. Now there's two sides of Dave Rooker. There's the there's the hard nosed, hard ass. I mean, literally put a put put a circular saw through his thigh, through his thigh, and took McDonald's napkins and duct tape and packed the wound. This scar is literally 12 inches long. It goes from one side of his thigh to the other. Okay, packed the wound like like he was gonna. And tried to go back to work and passed out from blood loss. That's my dad. And then they made him go to the hospital. Yeah, they took him. He was like, <laughs> I, he's like, he fired everybody on the crew for taking him. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but you know, there's <clears throat> there's that Dave Rooker, and then there's the party animal Dave Rooker, which in a lot of ways, you know, from a veteran standpoint, I can kind of see why i mean he was doing exactly what we did we worked really really hard and we partied hard yeah. um you know um so there's that but yeah you know dude that to get back to on, on point though I, I think that we need to stop punishing and i and i am very look <laughs> everything i'm talking about one way or another i'll do again i'm still fighting with this stuff i still punish myself every day i wake up and think about watching you guys take off for Afghanistan and knowing that I was not going with you, I felt like the biggest – I felt like I had failed you guys, my country. I mean, I just – getting out of the Army with an injury when your buddies are, are taken off on a plane to go back to war, and you just feel like you're like, well, bye, like – Worst feeling on the face of the planet. I literally watched you guys take off. I could I could see y'all in the windows. I was there guarding all the connexes and stuff like that next to the the air the tarmac airport, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I mean, the thing is, I had to stop punishing myself. I did everything I could do. I I even tried to reclass to other jobs. They they would not let me. Okay, so I have to let that go. And I can't punish myself for not being there in Afghanistan when guys were hurt or guys were lost. Um, that was another thing that I had to deal with is you guys were in Afghanistan and then guys were coming back 
to Fort Campbell to the warrior transition unit, the medical unit. And it's guys that, that took my place, you know, like, like that's, that's the thing. And you feel horrible. Cause you're like, if I'd have been there, if I'd have been there, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Or if I'd have been there, maybe that, you know, um, and we get that. And it was honestly you, I remember you being very honest with me on that in the email, uh, which I still hold. I mean, uh, I mean, a hundred percent, uh, to this day, which is, you know, I did everything I could. And there was no way with a spine injury that I was going to throw all that equipment on and go up and down the mountains of Afghanistan. I would have literally endangered my platoon. I'd endangered the unit, the mission, myself, just, so you have to stop beating yourself up about certain things. And it's hard to do. I, I mean, there's times where, you know, I, I, my, my half sweet, half unsweet tea it, that goes down a little bit harder than, than other days. You know, because I, I really don't drink that much anymore, guys. I, I really don't, um, uh, you know. I'm glad that you're able to get ready. You're, you're, you're consciously there where you're like, all right, it's got, you got to let stop beating myself up over that. It's like we talked about like weeks ago, like humans, we really are the only people that will punish ourselves more than <clears throat> one time for a mistake. And that's unjust. Mm -hmm. It's you wouldn't, you wouldn't beat me up for that. So you can't beat yourself up for that. Cause if I, if you, if you heard me call myself anything for not being able to deploy for my, due to a physical, you know, injury, you, you'd, you'd smack me in the face and, and tell me to shut the hell up. But, but it goes right back to our beginnings, right? Which is, that was all, all you know, there's certain things that ring in your ear, which is, you know, like, like, uh, you know, when I came back and, you know, here I am with a spine injury, my dad's like, when are you going back to air assault school to get those wings, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting out. And he's like, but you're going to get your wings before you get out, right? I mean, everyone has them. I'm like, shit. <laughs> you know, like, like, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is, man. But I, you know, hey, mm. we all try to get through this, you know, and, and it's very interesting to me, you know, I, when I first came back, I could talk about anything about the war. I was, I was stuck still in almost like this deployment. Go ahead. You have an idea. I, I see you thinking. Well, it's just the, you know, I hope you don't carry that with you like that, that like that expectation of like that, that, that phantom expectation of like, you know, um, not to say that you didn't feel like you were good enough about the fucking wings because they're fucking aerosol wings, you know, like you were hurt. <laughs> like, so I hope Dude, that's not something that you take personally. I laugh about it. I laugh about it. You know, I proudly, I, I'm one of my jackets. I, I have, the, you know, the 101st patch on there and, and I wear it proudly, uh, not because I was anything different uh, than anybody else who served, but, just because I served with you guys and, and obviously we have a, we have a very close bond, but um, long story short, that's the funny thing. Pe you know, people see me and, and bring up, you know, oh, airborne da, 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 and, and they start talking, maybe they're a veteran. They start talking to me about air assault school. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't get my wings. I went, I went, got through phase, phase two, got dropped out on phase two. And then we went to Iraq. Let's and do, uh, equipment yeah. inspection, uh, 
Fuel Blivets is what got me. Fuel Blivets. Oh, were you doing Blivet yep. inspection? Oh my God, dude! It was it was it was a uh, fuel. It was a cap uh, on the fuel Blivet. <sighs> the Mechanic. cargo bag and the fuel Blivet. The A two two fucking cargo bag. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, dude. We got through it, but it was a nightmare. <laughs> like, oh, uh, dude. You're just calling out uh, uh, deficiency. Yeah, we're good. Deficiency? Yeah, deficiency. Deficiency. Deficiency? Deficiency. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dude, that's, that's the word I used for that whole day. Uh, yeah, dude. You know you know what got me is, is I laugh about it now. Um, I don't care about... I'm proud of my unit and I'm proud of our accomplishments and, and I'm proud of the ribbons that I have on my chest, but I'm not my, I'm not like, I don't care if someone thinks I didn't, I'm not a, a badass because I don't have my air salt way. I, I literally got in the same helicopter you guys did, jumped off in the same patch of dirt, did every damn mission I, that you guys did with you and came home with you. So um, you know, that's, that's the thing. I, I just, I don't really worry about that stuff, man. I, Good. you know, I, I'm not somebody, you know the, it wouldn't matter anyway, cause I'm not the cool guy that they put in a movie. So don't, I, I'm not, I'm not, no one's going to write a book about Sean Rooker. No one's going to do a movie about Sean Rooker. So it don't matter what, what little doohickeys or things I got up here on my chest that are going to do anything. The people, the Sean Rooker is the people he knows, and I'm around the best company that you can, you can really get around. So, um, I'm a rich man in, in that in that manner. Fuck, dude, and humble, and humble. You keep it, dude. Well, that, what's the what's the saying? Humility comes before honor. Um, I. Uh, I had that backwards for a long time. <laughs> uh, and now I'm, I'm kind of getting that. I'm getting that whatever. I, I, you know, man, um, I'm just, you know, my injuries have taught me a very valuable lesson, which is, um, you know, before I got injured, man, I mean, I, you know, I did rugby, I did uh, martial arts, judo, all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I mean, just never got hurt, never got hurt, just was never hurt. You know, I, you could, I, eight guys could hit me at once. I'd get right up and dust off my pants, you know, but. God damn, that was a lot of dicks. Let's do it good. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the biggest lesson, man, uh, and, I'll, and I remember this, I remember this very clearly which is after I got my injury, I went, you know, I tried to go on mission and I got up in the gunner stirrup. We came back from a mission and uh, I had torn the muscles uh, along with the, the spine damage. I had, I had torn, I had torn the muscles on the right side of the spine along the spine. So they had gotten inflamed and when the muscle got inflamed, pushed on the nerve ending. So I jump out of the turret to go get, you know, to get my gun and literally my legs, <laughs> stopped working i literally plummeted just like a like a dead fish i went and i just hit the hood i couldn't move my legs i couldn't feel anything zero Did you get a shock when you fell in your legs oh, dude. yeah like a zap <laughs> yeah it looked like someone had just poured me out of a bucket out of the hood of the humvee and i'm laying there and i couldn't feel anything 
mm. anything. And Gonzo helped me get up to my room and he put me in my, in my bed, my cot. And that was my, that was my reflection moment is, is now Sean Rooker is no longer this, this physical bull. Uh, it's, it's, uh Oh, uh, you're, you're not immortal. <laughs> system check. Who is Sean oh, Rooker? system's <laughs> fucked up. System's real fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. <coughs> it was, um, it was that bad. realization, dude. What did that look like? That realization. Well, I mean, at first I was terrified, but that you know, once that once the implement, you know, Doc came, uh, Doc Lukin came in, hooked me up to a mm. very intense pain reliever, so I could actually start getting the inflammation down. Um, and I, I started getting feeling again in my legs, and all that stuff, and obviously, you know, stayed uh, with you guys until the end of Iraq, um, but. We, we, we learn lessons from, from things like that. And my lesson was, is people are more than, than what you see, you know, uh, the young Sean Rooker would be like, you know, he'd be saying, Oh, uh, you know, you need to get up and, and, and get back in there and da, 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 the, the old me now, uh, which has helped me actually, um, appreciate people a lot more which is, you know, it, which is appreciating the character of somebody and, and how much character outweighs physical or, or personal achievement prowess. Yeah, buddy. That's what it's all about right there, man. Fuck all the rest. What's in there? Yep. What's in there, right? <laughs> What's in there? That's it. That's all that matters, man. I wish people could see that. Well, I mean, I, I just... Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't have it all figured out. I, you know, I, and it's funny. It's so funny to me because we're talking about the two sides of me and it's, uh, you know, people hear, hear the loud mouth Sean Rooker and where I'm laughing and joking and slapping people on the back and ha ha ha. And they're like, Oh my God, look at that dude over there. That guy is obnoxious. Right. And then maybe they'll run into me a couple of weeks later and I'm working on my notes for the podcast and, and I'm really quiet and I've got my earbud in and maybe I'm listening to classical music or I'm listening to some music and that's helping me get my notes done or I'm listening to a video or something that is a philosophy thing or something uh, or our podcast or whatever. And people will be like, dude, what's wrong? And I'm like, what do you mean what's wrong? They're like you're just really quiet, and I'm like, "This is this is me normally." You know what I mean? Like, this I'm, is life right here. This is it. Which reminds me, I'm gonna bring up. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a memory. I wanted to do this. I've been. Oh, I forgot about this till now. Oh no. You used to say something. And I want to see if you can pick pick this up where I leave off because we haven't said this in years. Okay. Because. Love is hibachi, and hibachi <laughs> is life, my friend. What was yeah. that? What was that place we used to go to? Oh, it was. Uh, oh, it was right next to the freeway there. Right next or, to the no, lodge. Wait. Right next to the lodge by the mall. Oh, oh was it Yamato's? Was it Yamato's or Shogun? Shogun. Yep, and we used to. Th that started off with. 
Love uh, is life. Love, love is, is life. life. And life, life is, is love. And then we turned into the hibachi thing. Life is hibachi. <laughs> hibachi is life. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, dude. So yeah. listen, man, let's go ahead and uh, let me ask you, we've been redefining okay. a warrior. You're always the one asking, you know, but let me ask you, what is this new redefinition? You didn't think you were going to get hit with your own question, did you? No, I didn't. I did not. <laughs> I, dude, oh, wow. Ow. I think, I think... Re, as far as redefining a warrior, um, the mission that is and who who that is, is somebody, a person, um, that. Wow, this is this is tough. I didn't, I haven't you know this lets you know how much I think about it. I'm still bewildered by it. I. I mean, your, your, I, your answer can evolve over time anyways. Yeah, no, I, I just, man, it's, I, I wrote this down earlier, um, and it's something that I learned uh, when I first joined martial arts, and it was when I was, um, it was my, like, first class, and, and my sensei, Dean Sutzer, um, he sat me over in the corner. And I just sat there and I watched and all the guys are training, you know, throwing each other, you know, punching, throwing, kicking, grappling. And he just wanted me to watch. And, and after I was done uh, or after the guys were done training, he walked over to me and he said, he just sat down next to me and he said, this is, this is a, this is a way of life. It's more than fighting. It's, it's being who you are and what you are in everything you do. Martial arts is in everything you do, and you are in that realm of, of that whole philosophy. And you have to be what you're doing. And I think that as far as <clears throat> when it comes to being a warrior um, – and people may disagree with me on this. I firmly believe that you do not have to be in the military to be a warrior. I think a nine-year-old girl who's sitting in St. Jude right now fighting for her life is more of a warrior than I am. <laughs> um, I had buddies to protect my life. Uh, she's standing by herself, um, hooked to IVs and you just you just don't know if you're going to wake in the morning and 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 somebody taking on individual an individual fight like that when it's it's just up it's just you're rocking and rolling it's up to you you got to you just got to get down and 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 get gnarly on it that girl is a warrior so who what is a warrior to me i think a warrior to me is somebody that can look past people's faults and find their strengths. I think it's somebody that can look through their faults and find their strengths and in that, on that same side of the coin, 
um, bring both of those people together to that realization. I, I think that that's, that's I, I, I just, dude, I have so many faults. I fail every day at being the guy that I wanted to be. <clears throat> and it's and it's wake up every day and swing that fucking hammer tomorrow because someday, you know, I I I I want to be who I would like to what I see myself being. And I'm not talking about financial stuff. I'm talking about emotional, spiritual stuff. That that and, is fulfilling that picture that you see in your head. Yeah. That, but you know, like if you had asked me a long time ago what, what would I want to be you know I'd want to be rich and successful and and you know when I drive up in, in my nice car people go that guy's got it figured out the guy I am now is probably the guy who's sitting in the park feeding the birds and and just looking at everybody not being a creepy people watcher dude but just seeing everybody as people are going through the park, you're seeing just their stages where they're at in life, where you were at that stage. I don't know, man. I, I think that that's just, that's the big thing. As a warrior, you have to be able to look through your faults and find your strengths. You have to be able to find strength in other people through their faults and help them realize that because we're all in this together. Every, the one thing we all have com in common on this planet until the day we die is we are going to be in struggle. We are all struggling with something. We all have a personal struggle with something. And if we could just all sit down next to each other and stop pointing out each other's faults and start talking about the good stuff we do and things we can do together, yeah, man, but... that, that to me, that to me is that's that's the good fight right there, brother. That's what that's the warrior thing for me. That's it right there, my friend. <laughs>